0: Hey, it's Greg Brown. Grab your logbook cuz it's time for another cockpit adventure from the Flying Carpet. I'm an aviation author, adventure columnist, photographer, former National Flight Instructor of the Year, and Barnes and Noble Arizona Author of the Month. The Flying Carpet is a four-place single-engine light airplane. In it, my wife Jean and I have long traveled the North American continent, searching behind clouds for the real America and experiencing aerial adventures like today's all along the way. Learn more at my website, gregbrownflyingcarpet.com, where you can also see photos from most episodes. And I'd appreciate your feedback in my Flying Carpet Podcast Facebook group. Some Lessons a Pilot Never Forgets This episode occurred not long after I earned my private pilot certificate, before the advent of GPS or cockpit weather displays. Yet the lessons still resonate today. Hop aboard my flying carpet, snug up your seatbelts, and prepare for takeoff on today's adventure. Flight number 25, Vertigo. Some lessons a pilot never forgets. Clear prop. So this must be vertigo, I thought. Nausea circled my gut like the snowflakes orbiting my propeller. I peered out the windshield for landmarks, but snow obscured all but a tiny spot of ground beneath me, even at an altitude of only a thousand feet. To make matters worse, my VOR receiver, the navigational radio, had obviously failed. How could I possibly have drifted so far off course as it suggested? on a flight of only 40 miles. It was almost Christmas, and I was a young University of Illinois student transporting precious parts for my Suzuki X6 home to Champaign. One of the hottest small motorcycles of its day, the X6 was also notorious for its temperamental six-speed transmission. Sure enough, after just a few rides to impress my new girlfriend, I'd been forced to disassemble it for overhaul. The nearest dealer was in Decatur, so each discovery of another worn-out component meant another 80-mile round trip to replace it. Today was a big day, because after months of waiting, the major transmission parts had finally arrived. To celebrate, I decided to make the pickup by airplane. There's a winter storm system approaching from the northwest. Said the weather briefer that morning prior to my departure, but we don't expect it here before supper time. No problem, I said. I'll be back by early afternoon. I flew to Decatur under clear skies, hitched a ride to the motorcycle dealership, and collected a bagful of gears and shafts. Then I headed for the Decatur airport restaurant to savor its infamous double-decker burger slathered with peanut butter and Bermuda onions. On the way, however, I noticed hazy clouds materializing. Was that a snowflake? Forgetting food, I phoned flight service only to learn that the weather system was advancing far more quickly than forecast. Get out right now and you'll be okay, said the briefer. The weather's approaching from the northwest. Going east, you should reach Champagne well ahead of it. By the time I finished my pre-flight inspection of the plane, however, the cloud ceiling was slate gray and light snow was falling. Quickly, I took to the air. As expected, the weather rapidly improved. To my surprise, however, it soon began deteriorating again. Not being trained for flight-by-cockpit instruments alone, I descended lower and lower to keep the ground in sight. Now I was getting nervous. Turbulence increasingly unsettled me, and the nose of my airplane pointed at a crazy angle far different than the course I was tracking over the ground. This dramatic crab angle, that's named for the sidewise movement of a crustacean, indicated powerful winds trying to blow me off course. Worse yet, flight visibility was diminishing in snow, though for a short time better weather could be seen off my right wing to the south. Ominously the words of my former flight instructor filled my head. Never enter precipitation you can't see through to the other side, Bob had often warned me. No pilot ever forgets that flight instructor who first delivers the secrets of flight. Usually, primary instructors are remembered with reverence, and their faces appear at appropriate times to chastise us about mistakes we're about to make. Unfortunately, those words are rarely heeded until afterward. On recent flights, Bob's apparition had largely stopped admonishing me. I took that to mean that with two years of generally safe flying experience, I had a pretty good handle on my limitations. But now, here was that pesky bob whispering in my ear again. Brushing him off, I continued toward Champagne. Knowing I couldn't be far from home, I tuned in Champagne's recorded ATIS weather. Ceiling indefinite 1,500 feet, it said. Visibility four miles in snow. If the clouds descended below a thousand feet above ground, or the visibility diminished below three miles, I would no longer be legal to land. How could this weather system be beating me to champagne? Ugh. That snow swirling around the propellers making me dizzy. Looking at my single VOR navigation receiver. I noticed the needle pegged to the right instead of centered where it should be. That can't be accurate, I thought. I already have 10 degrees wind correction. Surely that frail sliver of metal was wrong, so I maintained my previously calculated heading. By now the strengthening snowstorm offered just a tiny window to the ground, straight down and seemingly only inches in diameter. Through it passed nondescript bits of farm fields. No sign of Interstate 72 or other familiar landmarks. In an effort to remain calm, I visualized reassembling my motorcycle from components scattered across my apartment living room. Looking back at my new parts in the airplane's back seat proved to be a mistake, however, because turning my head only accentuated the vertigo. Champagne now reported indefinite 1,200 feet overcast and three miles visibility. What if the airport goes below visual minimums? Fighting panic, I refocused thoughts on my girlfriend, who'd shown such faith in me as a pilot. Jean was unlike most other girls I'd invited aloft. She viewed my flying as adventure rather than aberration. It was almost Christmas. And this year, for the first time, she was to meet my parents. What if I don't make it home? With that, my mind began running away from me, filling with horrific images of my cockpit spinning in whiteness toward the ground. Not being trained in instrument flying, I'd received only rudimentary instruction in how to maintain control when unable to see out the window, and that had been years ago. All I knew at this point was that the outcome after losing control was predictably bad. The graveyard spiral. How many other aviators had succumbed to it before me? Just then a fragment of a huge grain elevator crossed my shrinking peephole to the ground. Probably it saved my life. So distinctive was this landmark that even glimpsing just a bit of it told me immediately and undeniably my exact location. Expectations could no longer disguise reality. My nav radio was right after all. It always is in such situations so I centered the needle to obtain the correct course and turned southeast to follow it. Had I continued on my heading, I would have passed north of town, seeing nothing but cornfields, and headed into miles of open country, until... until... but with the city soon in sight to guide me and the warm voice of a familiar tower controller for encouragement, I came upon the airport. Visibility was so poor I couldn't see the runway until flying over it. A turn back around was required to line up on final approach. It wasn't much of a landing, given my state of mind in that nauseating snow still circling the propeller but I knew that I'd cheated fate and should avoid testing it so aggressively in the future. After staggering out the cabin door and tying down the airplane, I made my way to the flight service station then located on the field. Can I help you, asked the briefer. It's not a good day for flying, I can tell you that right up front. Actually, I replied, I'm here to close my flight plan the man's cheery smile turned expressionless as he eyed the snow frosting my head and shoulders. It was not a look of surprise, but rather one of weariness from a man who over time had seen many fools cross his threshold. After telling my story to the briefer, I learned what had gone wrong. It turned out that the bad weather had approached more from the north than from the west. Unwittingly, I had taken off into a scallop in the advancing leading edge of that weather. Although I thought I was flying into better conditions, Champagne's weather had actually come down only minutes after Decatur. The pre-flight briefing had yielded no clue to this, and given the favorable forecast for such a short flight, it had never crossed my mind to radio for an update en route. There are always decisions made by pilots in such situations that determine whether there will be a crisis or not. All I really needed to do when the weather began deteriorating was to turn south, where a safe haven waited in good visual conditions. But frankly, that never occurred to me either. All I could think of was my closeness to home and getting there promptly. From that day forward, I've always made it a point to know before takeoff which way to turn for better weather, even when flying on instruments. After all, it doesn't take reaching your destination to make a flying mission successful, just landing somewhere safely. It was one of those lessons a pilot never forgets, assuming he lives to tell about them. It was almost Christmas, and I might have missed it. I took that special girl home to meet my parents. And there she gave the first of many holiday gifts to win my heart. A complete set of metric box wrenches for my motorcycle. Thanks for riding along on today's Flying Carpet Adventure. Please help me continue this podcast by sharing your favorite Flying Carpet episodes on social media posting reviews on your favorite podcast directories, and donating via my Greg Brown Flying Carpet website. Thanks in advance for your support. You can find photos from most episodes at my website, gregbrownflyingcarpet.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please check out my book of aviation adventure stories, Flying Carpet, The Soul of an Airplane, for which I was named Barnes & Noble, Arizona Author of the Month. Learn about that and my other aviation books at gregbrownflyingcarpet.com. Also at gregbrownflyingcarpet.com, you'll find my views from the Flying Carpet Aerial Photography, available in fine art metal prints and pilot achievement plaques. Oh, and I'd appreciate hearing your feedback in my Flying Carpet Podcast Facebook group. Follow my social media sites most of which can be found by searching Greg Brown Flying Carpet. And consider joining my student pilot pep talk group on Facebook. Thanks again for joining me on today's Flying Carpet Cockpit Adventure. Music by Hannes Brown. See you next time.